0: You're on educateforlife.com radio with Kevin Carnivore. And if you listen long enough, your faith will become
1: Unshut.
2: I'm tired of being conned. Don't worry, the con is over. She.
0: We're now at DEFCON 1. Did you say Carnivore or Carnivore?
2: you like to have a conversation with kevin then call 800-243-9719 and now here's your host kevin conover
0: bring your time and bring your shame
3: welcome to educate for life i'm your host kevin conover my website is educateforlife.org. and i'd love to have you come out to a debate on september 26th out at san diego state university there's going to be a debate between dan barker he is the author of Freedom From Religion, and he's also the co-president of the Freedom From Religion uh, Foundation. I'm sorry. He's the author of uh, Losing Faith in Faith. He was a preacher and uh, Christian, and now he is an atheist. And uh, he's going to be debating with Dr. Andy McIntosh, who is a visiting professor from Leeds and uh, an expert in thermodynamics. My guest today um, is also an atheist, and I just wanna preface this, although I disagree with um, atheism, I believe it's really important to dialogue and keep an open dialogue with people. I think that's the best way to get at the truth. And I think we only do ourselves a disservice if we cut ourselves off from those who have differing opinions or different perspectives. Uh, than we do, and so uh, that's why I love to have uh, Muslims on my show, Buddhists on my show, atheists, agnostics, all kinds of people on the show, and I'm very privileged today to have as our guest uh, Dr. Lawrence Krauss. He received an undergraduate uh, undergraduate degrees in both mathematics and physics at Carleton University. He received his PhD in physics from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He joined the Harvard Society of Fellows 1982 to 1985 joined the faculty of the Departments of Physics and Astronomy at Yale University as assistant professor in 1985 and an associate professor in 1988. In 1993, he was named the Ambrose— I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this correct, uh, Dr. Doctor Krauss. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Ambrose Swasey. How do you say that?
4: Swayze. Swayze, Swayze okay.
3: excuse me. Professor of Physics, professor of astronomy, and chairman of the Department of Physics at Case Western Reserve University. In August 2008— He took up his new post as Foundation Professor in the School of Earth and Space Exploration and Physics Department and the inaugural Director of the Origins Project at Arizona State University. He's the author of over 300 scientific publications as well as numerous popular articles on physics and astronomy. And uh, I could go on and on. Um, Dr. Krauss, you have uh, amazing credentials. (laughs) Thanks so much for being on the show today. Sure. Well, um, what I really wanted to talk about, you know, obviously I'm coming from a Christian perspective, um, but I love to hear um, those who don't come from a Christian perspective, uh, how do they they come to their conclusions about reality and the way things are? You just came out with a book um, this year called The Greatest Story Ever Told, and then uh, So Far, and then the subtitle is Why Are We Here? Uh, You're also very famous for writing A Universe From Nothing, so... I just kind of wanted to talk about your book, the most recent book. Uh, obviously, uh, it's it, it, there's a uh, reference there to the greatest story ever told, the biblical story. And throughout the book, you have um, scriptures. Um, chapter 1, it says, The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge, Proverbs fourteen eighteen, 18. And uh, I'm just curious, uh, what was the impetus behind this book and... Uh, how is it different from your book, A Universe from Nothing? What is it you're trying to achieve in writing this book?
4: Well, I mean, I'm trying to explain the remarkable uh, discoveries that have taken place in our understanding of the universe and how in, in, in less than 400 years we've unveiled this illusion of reality that we see uh, around us and understand the real universe underneath and how the scientific method has allowed us to get there. And the amazing fact that, um, what we've discovered is that more or less our existence is an accident. That no, in no way um, is the, are the fundamental physics of the universe even consistent with our uh, existence. But but due to an accident during the early history of the universe, uh, a field froze, it turns out, um, we, uh, the, the laws of physics altered themselves in a way that we could arise. It's, a, it's just like ice crystals on a window. There's no more significance to our existence than there is to uh, one crystal pointing in one direction versus another direction. If this field had frozen in the early history of the universe in a different way, the laws of physics would be such on large scales that we, we wouldn't be here. So we're very fortunate to be here, but, but what I discuss in this book and in the universe of nothing is how the amazing things we've learned about the universe have also told us you don't need any supernatural shenanigans to make that, to get us here. And moreover, that in no way is we, does the universe seem to appear to be designed for us, and those are really with things we may not like, but they're facts. Mm. And uh, and it, and instead of being upset by that, we should be amazed at the uh, uh, that we've been able to learn those things first, and secondly, that uh, to find out how remarkable the universe is. And I find it kind of re- equally remarkable that 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 some people find that they would rather get their science or their view of the universe from a book written 2,000 years ago by people that didn't even know the Earth orbited the moon. As what I, like, I like to call it the Gold Herder's Guide to the Universe. It was the Gold Herder's Guide to the Universe at that time when we didn't know anything better and and we can respect their attempts to understand reality. Mm. But what's amazing is in the last 500 years we've discovered an incredible amount and and I find it sad that some people have to that, or not some people. I f- I find it sad that we have to, that we 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 give equal credence to something which clearly is inconsistent with most of what we know to be true about the universe.
3: Okay, so uh, so that's very interesting. And and uh, you know I I bought both your books and um, I'm I'm reading through them and they're they're very interesting. Um, right. Buying them is more important than reading them. <laughs> there you go. You got to make a living, right? Okay, so so what's interesting to me is so are you presenting these as an alternate? Um, hypothesis I guess uh, and I know you you probably uh, an alternate hypothesis to the biblical story is that why you phrased the title the way you did What'd oh you... well look I mean yeah. I'm not, it, it, there's no way I mean <laughs> yes
4: I'm commenting on the fact that in at least to the western culture because of a movie that was made in the 1960s that the bible story is often called the greatest story ever told sure and at least I'm taking off on that because this is the greatest story ever told so far and that to me the so far is the most important part because the story from science evolves. We learn something new every day. Mm. Whereas the Bible story is just the same old stuff that's been around ever since it was there. And what makes science so successful and vibrant is that we learn things. We open our mind up, and the story gets better. So tomorrow it'll be better than it is today. And young people who may be listening to your program may contribute to our understanding of the universe and make it better since then. I, I used biblical quotes at the beginning of every chapter because I was dealing with questions... First of all, the book deals with questions which, again, religion tries to usurp, questions of, of, of why are we here. Yeah. And my point is that, that, there, that science presents a picture. Now, why questions, of course, are not good questions because they presume purpose. Hmm. Whenever you say why, we really mean how. But the biblical quotes I chose because the Bible is full of wonderful quotes. As a piece of literature, it's quite interesting. A lot of it's boring, to be frank, but, and violent, and homophobic, and all sorts and uh, other things. But, but, but it is, it is got beautiful literature in it, and I and I like to mine literature for fun quotes. And there were many apt quotes that I thought related to stuff I was talking about when I was talking about science. And I thought, why not use them? Some people were offended by that, but I find it remarkable because it's a piece of literature, and and uh, I used it. As that,
3: Yeah, and I, well, to, to be honest, I actually appreciate it, um, because um, for me, I, I have great respect for those quotes, and I think uh, it's kind of cool that uh, you're somebody who disagrees with that perspective, but at the same time, you can appreciate uh, the, the quotes in there that you agree with. Um, I
4: can appreciate the music that's been written for churches, some of it, uh, as well, it's part of our culture, and so our religious heritage in our Western society is part of our culture, and so we can't ignore it. Um, we just have to realize that we've sort of grown out of it.
3: Mm. So um, what I want to talk about, we're coming up on a break here, not too far here, but I'd like to, if it's possible, go back a little bit farther in your history and kind of hear your story, how you came to the conclusions you did, um, where you started out, and how your ideas have changed and developed over time. I'm, I'm curious uh, to know how you arrived where you are today in your thinking and what you see for the future. Um, do you think your, your thinking could potentially change or do you think that you're uh, you know what? What else are we going to learn about physics that's going to change the way you think about reality? So my guest today is Lawrence Krauss. He's um, very famous for his book A Universe from Nothing. He's a uh, professor over at Arizona State University in physics, but uh, he's also very interested in origins and working uh, to develop projects on figuring out how the beginning of the universe started and uh, deepen our understanding from a scientific perspective about how that happened. So stay with me. Uh, very interesting discussion. We're going to be right back.
1: Thank you, Kevin, from the
0: Hall family and Team Home Loans. What do leading local restaurants have in common? How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fast Lane Kayaking sells popular Hopi Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more at fastlanesailing.com. 619 619- When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires,
2: Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 730 to 530, and Saturdays, 730 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels and Service 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside 760-439-1631 I
1: will cast-
3: Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is educateforlife.org, and I've got all kinds of information and classes on there about uh, God and the Bible and Christianity, and uh, you might be surprised that my guest today uh, does not believe in the Bible as God's word. And uh, has serious doubts about God. Uh, And uh, uh, Dr. Krauss, I wanted to kind of clarify for our listeners. Um, Do you consider yourself uh, somebody who does not believe, who is confident? uh, Because I've had different atheists on the show. Some people are kind of agnostic. Some people uh, feel overwhelmingly confident that uh, God does not exist. Some people believe it's impossible to know God exists. Where do you land on that spectrum of... uh, Let me clarify something because
4: sure. uh, I, I gave, wrote the preface, preface for a book about atheism that was about forty years old, and it, it enlightened me. Basically, everyone who calls themselves an agnostic is really an atheist. Okay, because an atheist is uh, 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 both uh, an agnostic is just saying I don't find the evidence compelling that comes from religion, and therefore I'm not willing to to uh, um, uh, uh, buy into it. And that's all an atheist is saying is that I don't find the evidence compelling. I don't choose to believe something for which there's no good evidence and in fact for which there's much counter evidence. And so atheists and agnostics are really the same thing. Now it's true that some people say, I can definitively argue there is no God. But in science the way we we can't the way we work is that things are either very likely or very unlikely. Mm, so it's based on probability. Right. And and so just as I cannot prove some abstract deity that is that has no direct relationship to me doesn't exist. I can't prove that. I can't prove there isn't a a China teapot orbiting Jupiter either. But what I say is that it's extremely unlikely that there's a China teapot orbiting Jupiter. And based on everything I know about the universe and everything we do understand about the universe over the last 500 years at least, it's extremely unlikely that there is a, a any intelligent any intelligence governing the universe. But more beyond that, I can say with great certainty that the claims uh, it, uh, and the doctrines of all the world's uh, scriptures, not just Christianity, uh, Judaism and, and Islam as well, their their holy books are full of things which are just inconsistent with what we know to be true about the universe. Again, not surprising, given that they were written by people at a time that didn't know anything about the earth orbiting the sun or other aspects of nature. They were their best effort to try and understand a seemingly hostile and indifferent world around them. And I understand how useful they were, uh, but, but, um, but they certainly aren't consistent with what we know to be true. So the o- only kind of God that is consistent with what we know in the universe is a kind of impotent God who doesn't really play any role in, in, in anything we can see or anything we've ever been able to measure. And, um, such a God is equivalent to not having a God at all, as far as I can see.
3: Now, are you, do you fall in the category of a materialist in the sense that uh, you, you don't believe in the supernatural? Um, or do you, I just don't. Look, the other word I never use is believe. Okay. I believe. As I say, things are
4: either likely or unlikely. I don't choose to believe anything. I ask on the basis of evidence is something likely or unlikely. And then I can do tests to make it decide whether it's more unlikely or less likely.
3: But, but aren 't there some things that are very difficult to test? I know in your book you mentioned that there are certain things about the origin of the universe that don't fall within the realm of uh, your current view or your current theory because you know but here's there's yeah.
4: lots of things we don't understand, sure, but I've said this before, and I'll say it again, lack of understanding is not evidence for God it's evidence of lack of understanding. And tomorrow, we'll understand more than we did today. This, uh, the, the, you know, I don't know if we'll understand everything about the universe. Uh, that's not a question that I can answer. But mm-hmm. I do know that we keep trying. And so far, we haven't come across any brick walls. And what we have discovered by trying to understand the universe is so amazing that I find it unfortunate that some people would feel that just in case it might, it might challenge their faith, they'd rather not know or learn what we've learned. It's, it's kind of sad.
3: Yes, and I, you know, to be honest, I, I would agree with you. I, I think anybody who closes their mind, um, really, from a Christian perspective, if if the Bible is true, and Christ said, uh, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, um, ultimately, we have to conclude that truth is premier, and if God is real, then you would have no problem in pursuing truth, because it should end at God.
4: Well, if, it, if there was one slight bit of evidence, you know, if tonight I looked up at the stars, and they rearranged themselves in ancient Aramaic to say, I'm here, I might begin to wonder.
3: <laughs> well, well, I'll pray that that happens. But um, you know, so so when you come down to, on, on the perspective of um, certain things are more probable and other things are are less probable, um, your view is that the origin of the universe is purely naturalistic. There's no, there, there, ultimately we
4: There's we no sh- evidence of anything else. When when you say is, yeah. what I'm saying is, can we understand? Everything we see, without invoking anything supernatural, and so far the answer is yes. So why invoke this extra incredible hypothesis? As as Carl Sagan once said, "Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence." And why why make this incredible, extraordinary claim uh, when it's not necessary?
3: Mm. And and do you still leave room for God? Because you know some people will say they'll say, "Look, it. Um, I believe everything that." You know, uh, science is predicting here, including what Lawrence Krauss has to say. But, um, but I believe that God did it all. D- do
4: you? Well, I mean, look, there are religious scientists, so yeah, but people, people are perfectly capable of holding two completely uh, incompatible notions in their head at one time. It's just the way we're built as human beings. So there are scientists who decide that you know, for some reason, the cosmos they see as they see it, the beauty of the cosmos for them points to some divine creator, and they. Usually, there are people who were deep, you'd pick the religion, but deep Christians, in this case, um, from the time they were children, because we do the unfortunate thing of, of exposing children to religion, which I find very unfortunate, because these concepts are very, very subtle and deep, and we tend to brainwash our children. It's very hard to get rid of that brainwashing when you get older. So uh, what it is, it is very interesting, let me, let me use that word, to find that the children of Christians tend to believe in Christianity, the children of Muslims tend to be achieved in Islam, the children of Jew- Jews tend to, tend to, it, it, to the extent have beliefs believe in Judaism. That's a little telling, isn't it? It tells us that what we're doing is we're, we're, we're essentially brainwashing our children. And I think I'd like to have children, these concepts of God and creation and the universe and, and the subtle issues like that are really ones that a three- and four-year-old kid cannot assimilate and i find it amazing that we even some sort of tolerate that in our society there's a wonderful picture that my friend richard dawkins once showed up on the cover of a newspaper look it sounds very nice it was christmas time and it had four children together and they were playing together and it said here's one muslim child here's one jewish child here's a here's a a christian child and here's a hindu child and and oh how nice but then what does a Christian child mean? We could have said, "Here's a neoconservative child. Here's a liberal child." These are concepts that, that children who are age three and four have no concept about, and to label them by the by the religion of their parents is to is to ultimately do them a disservice.
3: Sure, and I would agree with that too. I, I mean, I would compare that to infant baptism uh, in the sense that uh, the child has not made any choice for themselves, and and why would you do that? That doesn't make any but sense. I think
4: I think we need to let children. We need to educate children and let them make a choice for themselves. And by educate, I mean encourage them to question. One of the things, one of the problems that i really learned from my point of view that makes religion less innocuous than I might have once thought
3: hmm.
4: is, and I learned it because of a movie that, uh, well, a number of ways, because of my book, Universe from Nothing, and I get a lot of letters, but also a movie that Richard Dawkins and I were in called The Unbelievers, I get letters from people all around the country every day who tell me, Wow! It's, uh, thank you for that. Because I'm in a small town in the middle of wherever, uh, and I I feel I'm made to feel like a bad person simply because I question the existence of God. Like that's a bad thing to do. And moreover, I feel totally alone. And instead, we should realize that, that there are there are um, that they they shouldn't feel alone and they shouldn't feel like they're bad people for questioning. We should encourage yeah, yeah. people and children to question everything.
3: Yes, and, and I,
4: in our society, you should be aware there was a study done by psychologists recently. Dr. Krauss, let's let's pause right there. My my we're coming up on a break here. This is
3: dr Kraus um, that sounds like a really interesting thing I want to pick up with that when we get back from the break we're coming okay. up on a break here and um, dr. Krauss is about to share a study that was done and uh, I'm, I, I love hearing different people's perspectives and uh, you know not all Christians are like this but I like to put myself out there and uh, have a dialogue with people and see where the conversation Wait. goes. So my, my uh, guest today is Dr. Lawrence Krauss. Uh, he's a renowned physicist uh, with incredible uh, credentials. So we're privileged to have him on the show today. Stay with us. We're going to continue this discussion. We're going to be right back.
1: Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart.
3: Thanks for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is join.educateforlife.org. I've got an online curriculum you can check out if you're interested in learning more about God and the Bible and Christianity. And uh, I'd I'd love to have you uh, take a look at that. You can also pick up a recording of all kinds of interviews. I've got interviews with former Muslims, Buddhists, atheists, uh, not too long ago, I inter- interviewed Dr. James Torr, organic synthetic chemist. He's ranked as one of the top 50 scientists in the world and uh very, very interesting interview. And today I have a very, uh, also very, uh, credentialed and, um, renowned scientist on the show today. His name is Dr. Lawrence Krauss. And for those of you just tuning in, you may be surprised that he's an atheist. Here we are on a Christian show and I'm, I have an atheist guest, but I often, um, um, uh, ask atheists to join either my Sunday school class or to come to my class at school and teach my students. And this is because I believe that uh, ultimately the truth has nothing to fear. Uh, and as long as we keep our minds open and clear thinking, the Bible says, test all things, hold fast to what is true. And so we have nothing to fear with ta- with talking to other people. And uh, if, if there's something that pops up that challenges our faith, well, then so be it. Let's uh, take the time to look into the evidence and uh, and pursue the truth at all costs so thanks uh, dr. Krause, for being here you were saying that a study you, uh, in the last segment you ended on, you were going to reference a study can you tell us about that a
4: yeah, study that was done by a group of psychologists said on Canadian and American university kids and adults and and, and um, it was testing it was examining trust issues mm. and among that group among uh, it's amazing that the least trusted people, were atheists. Well, actually, they were on par with rapists. Wow! And it is amazing that how religion has usurped morality. So that you know, in England, Richard Dawkins Foundation did a study too. It turned out, in fact, now, in fact, I was just learned yesterday that in England now, seven out of ten young people between the ages of eighteen and twenty-four claim they have no religion. Mm. But the, the but the Church of England, those people who claim they were the few people, and it's getting less every year, which I happen to think is a is a good thing. Mm. But the few people who claimed they were Christian, this what, what Richard's Foundation did was they asked them about the questions of Christianity. Do you believe in transubstantiation? Do you believe in the Virgin Birth? Do you believe in this and that? In the end, people didn't believe in any of that. But they said, "Why were you Christians?" And they said, "We like to think of ourselves as good people, because in our society we tell people that if you're if you don't have religion, you're not a good person." And I find that so um, unsettling because there are many many people in small towns, as I say, around the country who question their religion, and they feel like bad people because of it. And moreover, other people make them feel like bad people. And I think that is really unfortunate, because as I said before, we should be encouraging everyone, especially children, to question. And I think nothing is sacred. And by that I mean nothing is above questioning.
3: Well, you know, it may come as a surprise to you or our listeners, but I happen to agree with that, because... um, I believe if somebody's telling you not to question, that's a red flag, and you should be careful because uh, you could be uh, involved in a cult and a group that's trying to control you, and ultimately we know there are many stories of cults doing very bad things.
4: Well, I agree, and I, I tend to think, of, I mean, I think, look, I laud everything you say, and that's why I agreed to be on the program, to have a chat with you. Uh, but but I also have to say, in some ways, I think Christianity is a very successful
3: cult. Mm. Well, I... I I know churches that I feel very uncomfortable in, and so um, – but I happen to I, – I do disagree with you, of course, uh, on the Bible and so forth. I believe the Bible teaches uh, truth, and I wanted to ask – Why do you believe
4: that? Why do you believe that?
3: Well, I believe that specifically because I, I set out a long time ago in high school to find out what in the world is going on, because I was at my school, and, and I had a Muslim friend. I had a Jehovah's Witness friend. I had other friends that said they didn't believe anything, and I was looking at myself going, what in the world? Uh, who is right here? Because I don't want to believe anything that's false. And my parents always taught me, hey, um, believe what's true. And so when I began to explore things, um, for, for me, I came to the conclusion that the Bible was true. I looked at the historical record. I looked at a lot of the, those were things. You, were and your that. parents Christians? Yes, my parents were Christians, yes. And, and did you go to church as a young person? I did, absolutely, yes.
4: Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, do you th- don't you think that impacted on your ultimate decision?
3: Well, you know what's interesting is that, um, like you said, our country is actually um, losing Christianity. I would say so. We're
4: yeah. It's like all all first world countries, not just Christianity, but religion in general. Yeah. Been, so, so, so there's downhill in, in all the first world. Yeah. So what honest. what what's yeah.
3: interesting to me is that despite all the so I have friends that have walked away from God, um, and they were raised in a Christian family. So, I don't know if our culture is actually in a position where it's indoctrinating kids as much anymore. So, meaning people aren't Christian just because, if they are Christian, they have, a lot of people have good reasons why they are Christian. And you have people like...
4: There are some. I think if you go to large parts of this country, there's not even a choice. If you go to large parts of the American South with the Southern Baptists... Yeah. Yeah. There's no choice. You can't grow up and not be Christian. Yeah. Well,
3: it's an uh, it's a non-thinking Christianity in a way, uh, yeah. which which I don't think is a good thing. But you have people, other people like your, you know, Francis Collins. Um, oh, he's a good friend of mine. Yeah, and do, and Dr. James Tor. and these guys are uh, extremely scientific, uh, scientifically minded, and yet believe in God. And so, okay. uh,
4: and I've talked to him about it. I think I think by the way, I I I, I admire Francis's work in. In, in, in genetics, but yeah. I think I think his theology is. Uh, you, I don't, is, I've read, looked at his book; it's just plain silly.
3: <laughs> yeah, I you know I happen to disagree with his position, uh, his his theology. But but uh, regardless, what's interesting to me is that you have people that are science oriented that believe in God, and you have people that aren't. Well, what about you? What was your history? Where did you did you grow up in a, a Christian family, or did you? Uh, what were your parents like? I grew
4: up in a, a family that was Jewish, and. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, went did did the high holidays, and I was bar mitzvahed, and and I read I read the Bible and the Koran and many things when I was young. I read everything to first approximation, and and I wanted it to be true, and I really did when I was a kid. I wanted it all to be true, and then what happened is it just was there wasn't a, there wasn't an epiphany or anything to use a Christian term. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was just like Santa Claus. So, you know, as I grew up, there, but you know I began to realize these stories were just stories, and they, had, they just they just didn't correspond to reality they didn't correspond with the reality that i that i had become to
3: learn about and and they just seemed frankly silly and and i think if you can i can I ask you a question about that though um dr Krauss, you know being jewish and all uh, um the old testament there are i've interviewed um, archaeologists on this show and there are uh, thousands of finds that actually support a lot of the stories that are in the Bible, like Hezekiah's Tunnel. They have the Tunnel. They have the Siloam Tunnel inscription. They have the Sennacherib Prism. They've got all these things that are... It's not like the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon, and I have Mormon friends... I
4: agree. The Book of Mormon is full of stuff which is historically incredibly inconsistent. There are, however... No, look. First of all, it's a story. So, right. So let's say there's some parts of it, the story that are historically accurate. Mm-hmm. That's not, That's fine, but attributing it to God... Is, is what you're doing is attributing the, the sort of uh, uh, mythological leanings of the people of the time to, to, to believing God. So, so the fact that, that some of the that, you know these some of the places may exist is not evidence of God. It's evidence that not all of the Bible is wrong, but they're parts of the Bible. For example, the fact that camel, as you probably know, recently the fact that that there are, are, are references to camels, but it's now known that there were no camels at the time uh, 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 of Abraham. So there are large parts of the Bible that are also known to be just um, because you know they were transcribed as oral histories for a long time, and you know as well as I do that oral histories change over time.
3: Yeah, I, I, I mean that, that that would be a very long discussion. But what? So where were you when you were um, in high school? Then you went to college. At what point did you begin to say, "Hey, you know, um, I don't, um, I, I'm, I'm." thinking this is not true. And um, oh, I mean, I was 12, Dr. Kraus. I'm 12, sorry.
4: Around the same time as I say, as I get maybe even younger, as I gave up Santa Claus, who was someone yeah. else I wanted to believe in. So Dr. Um, Krause,
3: um, we're coming up on a break here real quick, but I want to pick up there. Um, stay with us. My my guest today is Dr. Lawrence Krauss from uh, Arizona State University. He is a physicist and uh, author of numerous uh, uh, publications and books. And uh, it, it's worth your time to stay and listen and uh, hear what he has to share. We're going to be right back.
1: Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. This is Throughout All Ages Ministry with Joe and Stacy. We would like to equip you to share the gospel with confidence in a biblical and effective way. We would like to
4: teach you through the proclamation of the gospel.
3: Whether you're the skeptic, God who created you said
1: that he has made himself known to you so that you are without excuse.
0: One-on-one evangelism. How do you think you can get to heaven?
5: never really
1: thought about it, but I've always just thought of, you know, doing
0: good. more
4: information, go to throughoutallages.com, like us on Facebook, or visit us at YouTube at Throughout All Ages.
2: When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 730 to 530, and Saturdays, 730 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631.
3: there got to be more. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host Kevin Conover. Please check us out on YouTube. Uh, Dr. Krause is not in studio with me here today, but um, you can see me if you if you'd like to. <laughs> my uh, beautiful haircut, uh, just a shaved head here. I'm losing all my hair, and uh, you can also check us out on podcasts. Please, uh, there's all kinds of amazing interviews on there. I just got finished uh, interviewing Denise Schick, whose father told her that he wanted to be a woman at age nine. She was nine years old when he told her that, and uh, he became transgendered. She has a lot to share on the transgender issue and uh, what's happening there. My guest today is Dr. Lawrence Krauss. He is a physicist, and he is the author of A Universe from Nothing, as well as The Greatest Story Ever Told So Far, which has as a subtitle, Why Are We Here? And um, Dr. Krauss, there's two questions I have here. So your book says, Why Are We Here? Now, do you do you you answer how we got here? Do you attempt to answer the question of why are we here? Or is the answer? Why, I think why is a meaningless question. Okay. It's a, meaningless in the sense that I it's un, sense unanswerable. Because it presumes the answer. What, what does why mean to you? It means there's some purpose. Yeah.
4: You can't presume. What if there is no purpose? Mm. You have to ask the question, is there a purpose or is there any evidence of purpose before why even makes sense? When I ask, you know, why is, why is my heart pumping? I don't think, I, you know, I know it, I, what I really mean is, how does it pump? And, 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 and so I think we, we, we automatically weigh the scales, uh, put our foot on the scales, if you wish, when we ask why questions. What I wanted to point out, as I did in the universe of nothing, mm-hmm. uh, is that we can ex- understand in principle, based on physics we understand and other plausible physics, how to get a universe of 100 billion galaxies full of 100 each of which has 100 billion stars from no universe at all from no space no time and it sounds like you require that that's physically impossible but it isn't then in the new book what i do is not look at the large scale structure of the universe but the small scale structure of the universe to try and understand the nature of elementary forces and i find as we now know that the universe we live in now this universe at this moment is very very different than the universe uh, at, at early times and most of the characteristics of the universe are in, in, in any way that you might reasonably define accidental meaning they don't have any significance and they could have been otherwise and when you look at that you see that there's really no design that suggests the universe inevitably would have produced us and, and we are very fortunate to be here and have I'm very fortunate to be having this conversation with you but to assume that there's it's the incredul- it's the height of solipsism to argue that the whole universe was created so you and I could have this conversation.
3: Now that 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 brings up another point. That's a great segue. Um, a solipsism is the idea that we create reality, or that the that, that everything is centered around us versus otherwise. So my one of the questions I had for you was: How does this this conclusion about reality, right, that God doesn't exist, as well as uh, the universe uh, could come from nothing? What are the practical implications of something like this? Like, And I'm sure this is a question that you probably don't get asked very often, but I'm just curious how this informs your views on, for example, um, social issues and these sorts of things. We've got this. It's, it's well, I think it means that we make our own meaning and that we are very lucky. Mm. I find it more precious
4: to be alive because of this amazing accident that allowed me and, and through evolution to have a, a consciousness and an intelligence that can ask questions about the beginning of the universe and the end of time. So how do you... A moment more precious. So how do you answer the question... I share a common humanity with everyone, knowing that we all share the same DNA and that these these petty exclusiveness, either race, color, or creed, are really really artificial ones. Mm. But, but, um, But what it does for me, for social issues, is to say that we have to use logic, common sense, rationality... To try and address the problems that we face as human beings, and moreover, the challenges we place we face in the 21st century are not going to be solved for us by some deity. Global warming, environmental problems, energy issues, national security issues—these are things, these are problems that we, in some sense, created as human beings, and we have to address them. And we can't wait around for someone else to solve those problems.
3: So, um, would you think that oh, by and large, if, if religion was essentially gone from American culture, meaning um, you know, Christianity was essentially downplayed so much that it was essentially non, uh, it, it had no impact on a person's decision making processes, as well as Islam or any other religion, uh, do you think that that would be an ideal scenario, or do you think religion serves any purpose at all?
4: Well, look, right now, clearly, religion serves a social purpose. It's fairly ubiquitous in societies. It it provides, you know, it's over over time provided some cohesiveness, some bonding, some group identity. Um, and, And those things are, you know, to deny that religion has done that is to be silly, because if it hadn't done that, it wouldn't be so ubiquitous in all societies. By the way not the same religion, a thousand different religions, each of which uh, have a thousand different beliefs that are inconsistent with the other thousand. And as we like to say, you know, a- an atheist is just, you know, you don't, you're an atheist about all other thousand religions except Christianity, and an atheist is just a, a, a doesn't believe one more religion. Um, but, but I think that the, the important thing is that, that um, when, we, when, we, when we think about what religion does, it has a social utility. Mm. The question is, could we get the same social utility without the fairy tales? And I like to think the answer is yes. And I do think science can provide us much of that. It can provide us a sense of awe and wonder, and a sense of common humanity, a sense of 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 hope, uh, 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 and a sense of uh, that we can we can address the problems and and the hope that we can understand the universe better, and the hope that we can make the world a better place tomorrow.
3: Mm, absolutely. Well, uh, I think we have a a lot of common ground, despite our uh, large differences. So you um, basically, were your parents atheistic, or did they actually believe in the God of the Old Testament?
4: Well, it's hard to know. They weren't deep believers. I think they they didn't really express things one way or another. They did the things for the family, and we did them, and I don't think we had those discussions. My mother, who's now 95, um, has certainly uh, evolved in her thinking and has certainly uh, become an atheist uh and 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 uh but you know but we didn't have what I would say would be deep religious discussions in my family i i i uh, read those things and and read a lot of, of commentary in both directions and came to those conclusions myself, which i think is a i appreciate the fact that my parents um encourage the, those activities on my part.
3: Yeah, I had a fr- an atheist friend on the show, and uh, on the way out of the studio, he told me that his seven-year-old son had just told him he believed in God. Um, are you, uh, uh, how would you feel if one of your children um, ended look, up believing in God?
4: To, I think kids should be, uh, i asked to do, look, I think what you want to do is get kids to ask questions mm. and to think about why they think of things and try and learn. So I'd ask why, what evidence, let's, let's explore it, mm-hmm. let's see where it goes, let's try and understand it. My goal isn't to try and tell my kids what to believe, but to encourage them to think for themselves.
3: That's fantastic. Well, um, I, I mean, I love that. I think that's great, and I think uh, open dialogue is so important. If you're just tuning in, my guest today is Dr. Lawrence Krauss. And the reason I have him on the show is because I think uh, open, friendly, civil dialogue is critically important to uh, a healthy society and getting at the truth. And I think that goes both ways. I think that, that that's whether you're a Christian and you're you're a committed Christian or you're a Muslim or you're a— um, you're an atheist, whatever your position is, I think the best thing we can do is be willing to um, have conversations with those who disagree with us. So, uh, none of us is all-knowing, right? So, uh, again, my guest today is Dr. Lawrence Krauss. If you'd like to check out his website, it's Krauss, K-R-A-U-S-S dot you. Dot dot and uh, he has all kinds of resources on there that you can check out, as well as his books and other things. Uh, very, very much uh, involved beyond the science world uh, he is. So, um, we're gonna be right back. We have one more segment, and we'll we'll finish this conversation off. and um and uh, I hope you have a fantastic Saturday. We'll be right back.
0: For 36 years, Fastlane Kayaking has helped people like you experience everything that's great about San Diego. Fastlane makes fishing and water sports fun and easy. Hobie Cat kayaks feature a popular pedal system, not paddles, keeping your hands free as you fish. You no longer need to tow and gas up a boat to experience great San Diego fishing. Call or come in for your no-charge demo ride. 619-222-0766. Fastlanesailing.com. At Dana Landing arena across from SeaWorld 619
1: machines.
5: Homes.com.
3: Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. My guest today is Dr. Lawrence Krauss. He's a physicist at Arizona State University, the author of Universe from A Universe from Nothing, as well as The Greatest Story Ever Told So Far, which has a subtitle, Why Are We Here? And you can uh, visit his website, Krauss, krauss.faculty.asu.edu. And uh, Dr. Krauss, what, what is the Origins uh, projects? Obviously, it has to do with the beginning of the universe, but what are you working on behind the scenes right now as it pertains to Origins at Arizona State and so forth?
1: Well, we
4: look, we look at everything from the Origins of the Universe to the Origins of uh, Violence and, and, and modern issues. We're, at, we're organizing a workshop right now on artificial intelligence and its implications for, for weapon systems and national security in the future. We, we, uh, we're also having a big event, which will have to be in Mexico, on, on issues of climate change and the environment. And then we're having our 10th anniversary where we'll have a whole set of events on, once again, from cultural events on movies, but also all the way to the origins of the universe and the origins of early modern humans, and explore every fascinating thing that humanity is thinking about right now and try and bring all that to the public as well.
3: That's great. Um, so you're very involved socially beyond the science uh, also.
4: So, yeah, I try and make quite interesting science and public policy, and I just had a piece in the New York Times today, for example, that touches on both.
3: Now, how do you deal with the issue of, uh, which I was talking about earlier, but I wanted to get your view on, the gender issue where somebody, if somebody identifies as uh, the opposite gender or... Um, or know, another gender. Yeah, or another gender. And what... what
4: um, We, we ran a-, a workshop, we ran a, a very interesting meeting on that at, mm-hmm. at ASU and the Origins Project, and there's just overwhelming evidence that sex and gender are two different things, that people... Uh, and even people, and even the chromosomal basis of sex isn't always manifested with it, 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 in the sex that's associated with your with your chromosomes, with your genes. So there's a whole there's a whole from a biological perspective, it is perfectly clear that people identify with a quote unquote sex which is different than they might chromosomally um, uh, have. And there's nothing there's, it, there's a spectrum. Of, of of genders that people identify with. And sure. and therefore uh someone who is quote unquote may be called biologically a male from from one perspective or another, who identifies as a female and becomes a female is as female as any other female. And it's it's it, it to deny the reality of that or claim it's some disease is to demean uh, uh people who who uh who's who who are just you know, biologically doing what their what 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 their body tell and their brain and their and their and their their not only their genes but their hormones tell them you know to to behave.
3: So there's this real funny video, and I'm the reason I'm asking you this is because I feel like it it there's an intersection here between science and. Uh, this perspective, right? So th- there's a real funny video where a, a guy goes around saying, uh, "If I told you I was a woman, uh, what would you say?" And and the people say, "Hey, yeah, you're a woman. You can be. You want to be a woman?" Then he says, "What if I told you I was a Chinese woman?" He's now he's a white Caucasian guy. And then he says, "What if I was a, I I told you, and he's five nine. He says, "What if I was a six foot five Chinese woman? Would you allow that?" And people draw the line at six foot five, and they said, "You can be a Chinese woman, but you can't be a, a six foot five Chinese woman."
4: I mean, it's nice. It's funny, but it's creating artificial. It's creating artificial differentiations that are not true. I mean, uh, someone objectively, if you're five feet, you're not six foot five, but objectively there's nothing you can tell someone who identifies as a woman to tell them that they're not. I mean, that they, that, that, you know, that they can't be a woman. And so so it creates an artificial, an artificial distinction that just isn't there. It's funny, Mm. but, but it, it unfortunately obfuscates reality. And, um, but I do think there are things, you know, for example, I've spoken in China, and I, and I really get upset when they talk about, a, uh, you know, uh, uh, Chinese medicine. And I say there's no such thing as Chinese medicine. The DNA of people is the same all throughout the world. If Chinese medicine works, it's medicine. And so I really, I really don't like artificial distinctions when they're not appropriate.
3: Mm. And and um, so in one of your uh, books, you reference the the possibility, and and this has to do with uh, we probably can't really get into this because it's too deep, but um, you you talk about symmetry and gauge symmetry, and you talk about the fact that uh, our universe potentially wouldn't even exist if it weren't for this. Uh, we're in a, a kind of a field, and, and that the universe might be possibly an illusion. Um, does this figure? The universe we see is certainly an illusion. The universe we see is an illusion. Can you explain? I mean,
4: is, at an underlying level. The, the, the laws, the forces that we experience are really not the force. The forces we experience, we only experience the way they are because we, we see them in large range, on large scales. At microscopic scales, they're really quite different. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the laws that govern the universe at microscopic scales are really quite different than the laws that we experience. And the structures that we see, the mass of the particles in our body, the stars, the galaxies, are only there because of some accidents on large scales that allowed those things to exist but at a fundamental scale um, they really th- those particles have no mass and, and and so so that's what I mean in illusion Just like if you were living on an ice crystal on a window you'd have this illusion that one direction was different than all the r- rest in, in nature because it, along the spine of the crystal everything would look different but it's an accident of your circumstances If the crystal had pointed another direction th- th- you'd think that direction was special so of course that direction is special in your crystal. But it's an accident of your circumstances, and it has no significance other than the fact that you're around to be able to see it.
3: Now, is that is that objectively uh, quantifiable, scientifically testable, That what you just proposed?
4: Yes, yes. Yeah, it's called the, it's the very basis of the Higgs phenomena, which we built a major collider called the Large Hadron Collider, and I understand. And that's why I try and explain it in the book.
3: That's fantastic. Okay. Well, uh, uh, Dr. Krauss, it's been a real a privilege and honor to have you on the show today. I really appreciate it. And uh, I wish you all the best, and uh, thank you very much.
4: Well, thank you. I enjoyed the discussion. I hope your listeners do, and and, uh, you take care.
3: Okay, thank you very much. You too. Have a fantastic day. And uh, I know everybody out there uh, enjoyed that conversation. Um, That's Dr. Krause again. If you'd like to visit visit his uh, website, his website is Krauss, K-R-A-U-S-S dot faculty, F-A-C-U-L-T-Y dot A-S-U dot E-D-U and all, all kinds of resources there. And I challenge you to challenge yourself. Um, don't just live in a bubble. Uh, go out there and talk to different people. And uh, as a Christian, I believe that the word of God is the truth and that you can build your life upon it, um, that it is reliable and uh, but challenge yourself t- to not just believe, but to know why you believe. Give give a reason for the hope that lies within you. Test all things. Hold fast to that which is true, to that which is good. Uh, God bless you, and we will see you next week. And uh, we'll have another radio show for you. My website is educateforlife.org. Thank you so much for joining us today. Bye-bye.
0: Did you miss part of today's program? Don't worry, we're committed to helping you get the info you need. Okay, that was dumb. But for real, visit educateforlife.com for podcasts and video recordings of the show and to sign up for the School of Unshakable Faith. Leave us your comments, compliments, questions, or concerns at 800-243-9719 or email kevcon at educateforlife.com. That's K-E-V-C-O-N at educateforlife.com.
3: You will always be much more to me. Every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm
0: not right, but that's alright.